Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So we're starting a new series on the book of Galatians, as all our locations. And the topic is, you can't get there from here, which, which, you know, how Pastor Josiah likes his obscure titles. You can't get there from here. But really is talking about you can't get to freedom from rules and performance. Now, I, I get that we, the world is, operates on rules. We all get that, right? You can't go through a stop sign. You shouldn't go through a stop sign. Like, there are rules. But in this setting... I'll give you the backstory a bit about Galatians. Um, oh, thanks so much. I like maps. And uh, I, I was uh, looking at the map of Galatia because I thought Galatia was a city, which it was really a province that Paul had been traveling in. And there were four cities in that province. So this letter is directed to the province of Galatia. Group of churches. Now, remember that originally salvation in heaven was just for the Jews. Originally, like the people of God, the Israelites. And um, Paul, the writer, is a Jew. And... Um, persecuted all the Christians that said Jesus was the way because he said that, you know, he didn't believe it because they were preaching freedom. And as he was a very strict law follower of the Jewish faith until Jesus himself appeared to him in a blinding light, blinded him and said, what the heck are you doing, Paul? And he said, who are you? You know, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting. I'm the one that you're, whose name you're trashing. So he was super zealous after this. He had a grand conversion and had extremely successful preaching career. And preached to the Galatians and they were overwhelmed. At the Jew, the non-Jews were so excited that uh, Paul brought them this revelation, really, about Jesus. I mean, word would have spread about Jesus and his, his fans um, but maybe not so much all about his death. So Paul's preaching about the death and resurrection of Christ and what that meant, and that now heaven, eternity, was available to the non-Jews. They were thrilled. But the Jewish leadership were not so thrilled. They were okay. I think they must have been a bit okay with who Jesus was, and, you know, okay, but let's not forget about the law which I thought it was interesting, the things that Russ was mentioning during communion, because we haven't chatted really much about the sermon, because he's been away. So they were trying to make the uh, non-Jews become kind of like Jews by, you know, persuading them with rules, persuading them, like, we've got to do it this way and that way and this way. And they were particularly uh, wanting them to be circumcised. And they were making a big deal about the law. And uh, word got back to Paul as he wasn't there at the time. But the word got back to him that now all these newly saved Gentiles were starting to do performance. They were starting to be like the Jews and were trying to follow 
the law of Moses. And I think he was really upset about this because he, he like this, I think it, and I also think it must have happened quite quickly after their conversion. The leaders were on the move. They were meeting the churches and they were like, no, 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 this isn't enough. You know, Jesus wasn't enough. You need more stuff. You need to do certain things. So that's the backstory of Galatians. This letter, which they, some say was the first letter that Paul wrote in his writing career. And he wrote, I think about 14 books. Galatians 5.1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Romans 8 um, says, Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In this case, from the power of rules that would lead to death. Right? The, the Moses thing. Galatians 5.18, my uh, main verse. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So how does a group of born-again Christians get here, get to this fearful thing? They believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They believe Paul's preaching of the message, because Paul says in Galatians 3.1, for the meaning of Jesus Christ, death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So they'd had a very clear understanding of what Jesus did, and they grabbed hold of it. It was a divine experience. It wasn't rote, you know, it wasn't just, okay, now you're a Christian because you do this and because you do that. It was a divine encounter with understanding that Jesus had died for them. They had encountered God, and they took hold of the truth of the cross with all their hearts, just like every one of us have done. We've taken the truth of it, we've grabbed hold of it, and our lives are changed. We're free. The Gentiles were free. But then they got faced with persuasion by some people who knew more than them. We'll just say it like that, like the the leadership of the Jewish church. And they began to listen to these leaders. And I think you can imagine how fear-based their chatting and their instructions would be that salvation wasn't enough. It couldn't be this easy. You need to do it this way. So the the non-Jews they were afraid that they would lose their salvation. So they started to do these things that the Jews told them to do. They were adding to their salvation with their own efforts. And you just think, I mean, we've all done it. We've all tried to be good. We've all tried to follow what the Bible says as best we know how. We've tried to follow what people who are older in Christ have shown us or told us. So we've all done that. But all along in the Galatian situation, the Holy Spirit was kind of over here. He wasn't really being invited into this situation. And that's kind of what they needed. Hence the verse in 5.1. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation of the law. So this is what Paul's talking about. Let's look at Galatians 5.16 to 18. And I know it's going to come up on here. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, 
You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So there's the facts, and we all experience the facts of the war, right? Is this okay if I do this? If I get this close to the line, is this is this okay? Yeah, it's okay, and in we go. Or it's not okay, and there's troubles. When our own lives become muddy, which is what happens, these these encounters, these presentations in our lives, we'll just say that. Say something, let's use an example like getting paid under the table. You know, not declaring your income because, you know, then the government doesn't know. It's not a big deal. It's only 50 bucks. Like these certain things that are muddy that some people think it's okay. It's just a little bit of money. But what does the Holy Spirit say to you is what we're getting at. What are What is this war that the Holy Spirit is, is waiting to be invited into in your life? Because we can't live this life of freedom in Christ without the person of the Holy Spirit because then we just make a mess. We need the Holy Spirit. We live, first of all, how do we do this? We live by faith in the Son of God. We live by faith in his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So when you became a Christian, you had to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And somehow the Spirit of God enabled you to do that. Right? You, you took a chance. And yeah, I think... I get, yes, 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 Jesus is real. So the same is in this instance. The Holy Spirit is real and wants to be a part of your world. He is a real being. He is a living, active member. And we can know him. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this body by trusting in the Son of God by trusting in the Godhead, the three, right? The Holy Spirit being part of that. John 14, 26. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I love that verse. Because, you know, how many lists can a person make? I need to be reminded of what Jesus said. Yes, I, I'm lucky. I have many copies of the Bible, but they didn't have that. Like they had the Old Testament and not even all of it. I have a feeling something is not in the right order. So how do we achieve, how do we achieve this intimacy with this spirit of God that we have faith in. Well, you got to have time with the spirit of God, which is, you know, chatting with him, talking to him, receiving from him, um, enjoying his presence. Like this morning, we were enjoying the presence of God. I had heard somebody say that when you worship Jesus and you give honor to Jesus, the Holy Spirit loves that and he wants to join in on that. And that's why you feel the presence when you are worshiping Jesus, because the Holy Spirit wants to come in that setting. So we need to be with him. We need to learn who he is. We, learn how, we need to learn how he communicates with us. Like how he communicates with me is not necessarily how he's going to communicate with you. What somebody says in a book about how he speaks isn't necessarily what God is saying to you. You have to spend time with the Holy Spirit, making yourself available to the Holy Spirit to recognize how he speaks to you. And we, we never really stop learning about the Holy Spirit. He's always unfolding to you. Like, no matter how long you've been a Christian, there is always something new. 
He is a spirit of relationship. He's not a spirit of duty or performance or rules. Like you, you come to church, you know, you didn't sin the night before. Now I'm going to talk to you at church. He doesn't go like that. Your relationship with him is ongoing. And when we lift up the name of Jesus, he comes. When we have a, a sincere, vulnerable, personal relationship with him, he comes. Sometimes we can hear, feel him. We can know he's in the room, which I already alluded to. And sometimes we can hear him. We can smell him. We can touch him and taste and see him. The Bible has scriptures about that taste and see that the Lord is good. Do we? Do I have access to all that? Yes. Have I experienced all that? No. I've been having a conversation about the Holy Spirit, about smelling him. Okay, so if we can smell you, let's, let's work on that. What does that smell like? I'll let you know. Um, in the book of Acts, uh, in Acts 2, it says, There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. People heard the noise of the Holy Spirit in the city of Jerusalem. Now the Holy Spirit came into the room, but the city heard him. In Acts 4, at a prayer meeting, the building shook when the Holy Spirit came in. Can you imagine the building shaking? Can you imagine hearing a roaring and and knowing what the heck is that? They went running to the noise, of course, and there they saw all the people speaking in their language. Fire looking, they could see fire on them. Um, uh, In Acts 10, Peter has had a vision, and and he's thinking about this vision that he knows come from heaven, And while he's thinking about it, the Holy Spirit says to him, audibly, three men have come to look for you. Go down and meet them. So their Bible has the examples of how the Holy Spirit talks, how he interacts with us. So now that we, uh, okay, we know that he interacts, we know that he is who he says he is. Now we have to believe that what you say to him and what he says to you is true. Faith is a huge factor. Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anybody who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We live so much by sight. It, it's actually a detriment in a lot of ways because it's what, if we don't see it, if it's not logical, if it's not explainable, we don't really want to give it any audience. But that is a different realm. That is the worldly realm, the physical realm, and yet the spirit realm, which your spirit is trying to communicate with, is different. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit brings revelation and truth. In the situation with the Galatians, he would have led them to the truth about the message of Christ and not the message of works had they asked him. Had they invited him into their dilemma, he would have. Um, In the Bible, there's the story about Ananias and Sapphira. They're a couple who had property and they sold their property because they wanted to donate their money to the church because the church was doing a really amazing job of looking after everyone, poor and needy and the widows and the orphans. And so they wanted to be a part of that. But their pride wanted to be known for a lot more money than they actually gave. And the Holy Spirit revealed that they were lying to the apostles. I mean, who would have thought that that was an important... Okay, so, you know, they didn't have to declare that money and say, you know, I got... I got $700,000 for my property, but by saying I got $500,000 for my property, I'm giving it all to the church, I want you to use it. They were lying to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was so grieved that they had done that, knowingly, willingly, and they both died because of that. One of the times, as I was a stay-at-home mom, the kids were fighting, probably the boys, because my memory is that when they were younger, um, 
there was fighting, but not, and not just them, but in this instance. And I was so perplexed because they were both giving me the right arguments. Like, they're both saying, it was not, it was him, and I was like, okay. I sent them to their rooms. I said, I'm going into my room, and I'm going in there to pray. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell me who's telling the truth. And so off they went up the stairs because we were in our little house and into my room I went and I was like, God, like this, these kids, I need you to show me. And he did. And the kids were rock their world. I knew you were going to ask. I don't, I don't, <laughs> it was probably you, but I, I, I said, I just took the boldness and I thought, I don't know what the answer is. They're both, you know, lawyering up. So I'm like, okay, God help me. And he did. The Holy Spirit will help you, parents, discern when your kids are trying to manipulate you. And they will. What's that? Yes, it's so true. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, John 14, 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't even looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus, and he reveals the heart of God. Knowing the Holy Spirit means I can know the heart of God. The Bible tells us that God has secrets, and he wants to reveal them to you. This lines up with what the Galatians needed. They needed to be led back to Jesus and be reminded of what his death had done. Poor Paul, he must have been just like, I can't believe this happened. The Holy Spirit was there. We had such amazing conferences. We were, you know, I was teaching them. They were receiving it. And they were just, things were just going so well. How? How does this happen? The heart of God is that we live in freedom. Not in luxury. Not in do whatever you want and good thing you have Jesus in your heart because you're going to go to heaven. He wants you to live in the freedom of the life of the kingdom of God. And even Christians will try to persuade you, like the the, the Jewish leaders were trying to persuade the Gentiles. Even Christians can get it mixed up. And it's all from, I'm afraid. Uh, We have some friends and they had alcoholism in their family, and they were very afraid that their kids would do that. So they were very strict. There was no alcohol, and there was no associating with alcohol. And um, they were just afraid. They were Christians. They knew Jesus. They, they did have the Holy Spirit. But they were so afraid that what had happened in their family would happen to them in their family, that they couldn't they couldn't think about what Jesus had done for the freedom. They couldn't sit back into, okay, God is going to protect me. God is going to, God is going to show me where that line is. God is going to show me what his will for us is. It was just full on, no go. And I realized, you know, watching, watching that and them attempting to put that on their family, their children, similar age to our children. uh, It was like the Lord said to me, like, look at this. Now just just look over here. By doing this, by freaking out, you are making my death null and void. And I was kind of shocked by that, but it, I realized that is what happens when you get afraid and you start implementing all these kind of rules just in case, you know, just in case. Don't do that. Don't go over there. Don't associate with that. Don't don't be in that group. 
you are constantly working from a place of, I'm afraid this might happen to my child, or I'm afraid this might, I might even slip over into that if I hang out with them too much. You know, the pressures of high school. Come on. Everybody's afraid that they're going to slip into hell because they hang out with the people that aren't Christians. Well, that's not what Christ has said. He said he set you free. Yes, there needs to be wisdom. As he said, I'm going to give you wisdom. But to operate and make things happen in your world and have your little box around you is bondage. This is exactly what the leadership was trying to do to them. Like, okay, we're not too sure if Jesus is enough. Now, just think about that. Say that to yourself. Is Jesus enough for me? Like, that is really what we're saying when we have these fears that we step into the rules. That, oh, I, oh, I said the wrong thing. Oh, I shouldn't have said it like that. Oh, I didn't mean that. That was just a joke. Like, sometimes we get kind of tripped up all the time because we make a mistake and then we are full of fear and that, oh, now I'm outside of the, outside of the favor of God. And, yeah, we sin. Repent and come back to Jesus. But remember, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Kingdom freedom. Kingdom freedom. So Paul asks the question in um, chapter 3, verse 1. Which one are we going up there? Oh, foolish Galatians. This is King James. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth and crucified among you? The New Living says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? And that is truly what the original text says. If Adam was here, he would agree. Yeah, oh yeah, it's his birthday today. I said to him, what do you mean you're reading the King James? Mom, the King James is the most clear from the original text written. I'm thinking, I don't think it is. He was right. I had this conversation with Pastor Dave. So, the King James, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, that word bewitched in Greek, there are two words used for the word bewitched. One means amazed, astonished, and overwhelmed with wonder. And two means under an evil influence or to be charmed by error. And this is the one that Paul is using here. To be charmed by error. We can, I imagine you can all think of somebody who is charmed by error because we never really look at ourselves being charmed by error. But we all get bewitched. All of us are. We all have things that we think are godly that are probably not. We all have... Uh, Theology that we think is right, but it probably is off because we are charmed by error, usually because it's inconvenient to our lifestyle and our thinking. That can't possibly be what the word of God really means, you know, or whichever. Even today, the Holy Spirit is speaking and trying to be heard, even right now, to you about something that you are bewitched by. We need the Holy Spirit to direct us, to show us in our relationships, in our work, in your hope for the future. How are we thinking in error that isn't kingdom thinking? Remember this. The enemy has a plan for you. And he doesn't need to have a plan to get you to hell. He just needs you to have a plan to be sidetracked from the truth of the freedom of the kingdom of God. He's always after bewitching you. Always. But God has truth for every situation and every one of us. The Holy Spirit is our guide to that truth. We need him to point us to Jesus so we can be set free. 
how do we do that? How do we get set free from that bewitched? Well, first of all, you need to realize that we all get bewitched. We all get charmed by the errors because the enemy, he doesn't care whether you believe him or not. He's just working at you. He's working at the world around you and those in your life uh, to make you doubt the truth of the word of God. So because we live in such a noisy world, we need to make time for silence and make time to talk to the Holy Spirit about what is going on. I mean, it could be a situation, it, it could be any kind of situation with your work that you, or with your life or your relationships. It could be anything that is, you know, the enemy is trying to look at you and some to try to get you to look his way at the situation when really the Holy Spirit has some divine revelation for you about that. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit for that. Where am I being bewitched? I remember having this conversation. I just recalled it now. Thinking, yeah, I bet God, they're <laughs> so random. I bet that there's some things that I think about you that are probably not true. I, I didn't realize the scripture or anything like this. But of course there is things I think about God that are not true because I don't know everything. And he's always unfolding to us so that we can have revelation and freedom and life as we are progressing in his, in his, in growing in God. So God's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you really quickly. I guarantee you he's going to speak to you. And he's going to reveal to you that thing that's bewitching you. And you will hear his answer. Or maybe you'll see the answer in a written word in the Bible. Maybe you'll see that. You may be led to an answer through a person you know and have a relationship with. You may feel the answer in the Holy Spirit's conviction. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. Don't fool yourself. He wants to reveal to you your charmed error. So when we're led by the Spirit, we take the Spirit into every part of our life. You know, when your kids are acting up, when a job comes your way and you're uncertain, you're having a conversation with somebody who says they want help and maybe they don't really want help. Or, you know, there's sometimes there's just confusion and you can sense it because the Spirit of God is trying to tell you something. So we could take him into, we take the Holy Spirit into everything. We don't need rules of performance to keep us saved or safe from our sinful nature. Our salvation is in our relationship with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. He is true freedom. Knowing the spirit of all truth is what you must have to stay free. Like you get, we do get, we get saved and we get free from the, the knots and the, the chains of sin. But to, in order to stay free, in order to keep your shield of faith up and to be able to, to confront life daily, you have to have the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth, to lead you to the truth that sets us free, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being here. For revealing that there's so much more to you than we presently know. That we can see you, we can feel you. We can touch you, we can taste you. We can smell you, we can know you. 
We know you're, so much of your character is in what we know about Jesus, but we can know you personally. We can understand Jesus better because we know you. Father, as you've revealed by your Holy Spirit that we are not without error, I pray, God, that you would give a real intense feeling of your Holy Spirit to these people. That they would recognize one area that you've been trying to get them to look at so that you can shift them into freedom. Remind them of that freedom that Jesus gave us in his sacrifice. And that, God, out of our love for Jesus, we want to be rightly aligned to him and not, you know, kind of 2% off. We want to be 100% on, on the path with Christ and the freedom to walk and live as Christ intends so that we, God, can, we can influence others around us with your freedom, with the joy of freedom in Christ, the joy of knowing there's so much available to those who walk steadfast in your freedom and liberty. God, we acknowledge that you are a convictor. The Holy Spirit comes to convict and to comfort and to bring us to all truth. And we receive that this morning. We receive that direction. We receive the writing of our vision, the writing of our hearing, the correcting of our walking. Because we want to be led into all truth and freedom. So we receive what you're bringing to us right now. In this house, in this situation. And we don't have to do it alone because your Holy Spirit is here to show us which way to go. And we repent of wrong thinking, God, where we have thought, yeah, I'm good. God, I repent that I've thought that at times, that I thought I was, a, it was enough. I'm saved. I know I'm good. You would have showed me if it wasn't, if I was, you know, on the wrong, going the wrong way. But really, God, you've been trying to tell me there's a couple ideas that I've had that were not from heaven. And you want them to be laid down so that you can give me truth. And I, I just ask your forgiveness, God, for my arrogance in thinking I don't really think I'm in error. And I receive the truth of the Holy Spirit. I partner, we partner again with the truth of who Jesus is. That he is not a God of works. He's not a God of performance. He's not a God of beauty. And that you have to be perfect and beautiful and say the right thing all the time. Because he is a miraculous God. A transforming God. And we want to be a part of a transforming kingdom. Not only just transforming us and our children. Not only just transforming our future but that we would transform the world around us, the people whose lives that we are touching. God, we want to see our employees saved. We want to see them walking in freedom and truth. We want to see our bosses walking in freedom and truth. We want to see our kids walking in freedom and truth. We want to see our parents walking in freedom and truth. And the incredible freedom and love of Jesus motivates us, God, that we surrender to you this morning how we've walked with works 
unknowingly, performance unknowingly. And we align ourselves again with you, the God of all truth and all freedom. And we give you the glory, God, for this moment. Thanks for showing up, Holy Spirit. Thanks for being in the room. Thanks for being in and around us. God, we give you today. And we give you this conviction. We give you this revelation. And we say, yeah, God, we partner with you. May you be praised, God. May you receive all the glory. And may we see such a transformation in one another as we are aligned with the freedom who the Son of God has set free. You are free indeed. In Jesus' name we ask all of this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.